I almost touched it. And you responded with a vicious slap at my hand. You hit me, Matt. You're listening to WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. The opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, UW-Madison, or its Board of Regents. I'm Matt Wolf with Bennett Majorowski. This is Hypernormal. Hypernormal here on 91.7 FM WSUM Madison. I am Matt Wolf with Bennett Majorowski. Um, you know, most mornings I wake up and this is the first thing I hear. And this sound is probably one of the most universally despised sounds saying, hey, let's go. Time for your day. But I will raise you one. There is one thing worse than hearing your alarm clock in the morning and that is not hearing your alarm clock when you need to hear it. And that, unfortunately, is exactly what happened to me this morning. Um, I needed to be somewhere at 9.15 a.m. I set an alarm for 8 a.m., and I woke up before my alarm, so I thought. But then I realized pretty quickly that it was already past 10 a.m. Uh, I had a coworker waiting for me, left her hanging, and that did not feel good. Uh, I do pride myself on being on time, or at the very least cutting it close, and instead I completely missed my appointment and my coworker suffered because of it. Um, what happened was my phone, which I use as an alarm clock, refused to charge last night and continues to do so. So, of course, the timing was perfect for the worst case scenario. Um, and I do feel absolutely awful about this. I've apologized to my coworker about a million times already. But I also know that that was pretty much beyond my control. Like, there was no way for me to catch this unless I woke up an hour after going to sleep to check if my phone was charging. Um, But even though I realize I'm not really to blame, I still feel bad. Uh, I can't help it. And we have a story this week on Hypernormal about just that. Blame. So blame it on the night. Don't blame it on me. Don't blame it on me. Blame it on the night. Don't blame it on me. Don't blame it on Here's our story. This day, it started just like any other day. Uh, I, I woke up, I went to class, I went to work, and, you know, just in general, I went above and beyond. It's what I typically do. Uh, I hold the door open for people. I volunteer at the local animal shelter. I consult people who are crying in stairwells. It's it's just what I do. Uh, These things are normal to me. And I understand these things might seem like unnecessary points, not crucial to the story. But I think you'll get why it's so important for you to know this as the story goes on. But then later in the day, uh, I was studying at our dining room table and... I'm really diligent when it comes to my classwork. I work really hard. I just do. Uh, And once again, I understand this might seem like beside the point, but it's not. It's really important for you to understand that I'm a great guy. I'm awesome. Okay, just get that through your head right now. I'm awesome. Um, But like I said, I was sitting at the dining room table when my roommate Alex walked in. And that's when my day took a turn for the worse. But just so you know what we're working with, uh, I want to quickly paint a picture of Alex for you. 
But to put it simply, if you saw a picture of Alex, you'd want to look away. He's a behemoth of a man. He stands six foot three. He has more hair on his body than a Burmese mountain dog, and all he does all day is play video games. Literally, he he does nothing for the community like I do. Um, and sure, I play with him from time to time. I dabble, but but he's on a whole nother level. It's really disgusting. Sorry, forgot to mention that he burps and farts all the time. Uh, but even worse, he always messes with his roommates. My One of my favorite things to do with every roommate is to poke around with them a little bit. Like with one of our roommates, Chad, I'll walk in. I'll like spoon around him while he's waking up in the morning. Or I'll, uh, I'll just poke him while he's doing his work and he just hates it. Just, just the disrespect that Alex exhibits day in and day out. I don't understand how anybody could be that way. But that's exactly what he did that day that I was diligently studying at the dining room table, minding my own business. I had just gotten home from class. Uh, it was pro- I think it was after band. Saw Matt working at the table, and he was working on his laptop, so I was feeling his laptop. I kind of scooched closer, inch by inch. And then I reached down and almost touched the enter key on his laptop. So, of course, I protected myself. I responded... And he goes and tries to hit my hand away very aggressively. And usually this is how the situation plays out. Uh, Alex walks in, starts to mess with me. I respond with force. It's really the only way he responds. And then he walks away. But him and I realized that this time things were a little different. And um, he had a large glass of water and he almost knocked it over. A large glass of water filled to the brim found itself precariously placed between a scuffle and a laptop. This could have gotten really ugly, but luckily, the laptop stayed dry. So up to this point in the story, Alex and I, we agree about everything. No, I do not disagree about what happened. Alex will admit that he was in the dining room that night. Yeah, I was in the dining room that night. He'll admit that he messed with me. Yeah, I messed with Matt. And he'll even admit that he likes spooning Chad. Yeah, I like spooning Chad. He's just so cute. Of course, nothing really happened here. Uh, Alex and I just can't agree about whose fault it would have been if what could have happened happened. I'm trying to wrap my head around how somebody could be so stupid to think that it was my fault. How could you be that dumb? Tell me, please. Well, Matt, I was just going to walk up and just touch your laptop. Just a touch. But if you were to knock it over, if you were to knock over that large glass of water and... If you were to destroy your computer, it would not have been my fault. How, though? How? Because you're the one who created the whole situation in the first place. But I'm not the one that responded in such a way. I'm only the one that walked up and didn't even touch your laptop. I didn't touch it. I almost touched it. And you responded with a vicious slap at my hand. You hit me, Matt. But don't you think it was within my right to defend myself? It was. But within the right amount of force. If... If somebody taps you on the shoulder and is bothering you a little bit, you don't shoot them in the chest. Now, I just want to take some time to remind you that I'm a great guy. I'm awesome. Remember? Uh, And like all great guys, I fess up when I make a mistake. It's just something that I do. But I can't do that here because Alex... He's the one who created this whole situation. My response, it was completely justified. If the water would have spilled on the laptop, Alex should have paid for it. 
And, and I don't know why I'm making a radio story about this. It's not much of a question. Alex, he's the one who's to blame. It's his fault, no doubt. And I'd say it's not really in my nature to obsess over things like this or, you know, to go to great lengths to prove a point. But I think that this situation, it's about more than just that. This is about figuring out why Alex, and and not me, Alex, would so quickly point his finger at me, even though he was so clearly at fault. So luckily, I had some help finding the answer to this question. Uh... I find myself here on a college campus chocked full of world-renowned professors in their fields. And I met with one, uh, Mr. Robert Enright. He's a professor of psychology here at the university. And Professor Enright very kindly accepted my interview request via email, where I asked him to, quote, share his expertise and weigh in on a very serious moral issue, end quote. Okay, well, let's take a step back first and see if I can answer the question about who is to blame. I'm leaning on Thomas Aquinas, a saint of the Catholic Church, for my answer. He said there are three things that have to be present for there to be a problem. One is the action itself, whether it's harmful in and of itself, the intention and the circumstances. Neither one of you were engaging in an action that was potentially harmful for your computer. Neither one of you had an intention to harm your computer, and the circumstances led to a possible accident. There was no blame. In fact, there literally would be no blame to meet out under these circumstances, according to Thomas Aquinas's, I think, rather simple but brilliant analysis. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that this is a simple and brilliant way of looking at blame, but I'm just not satisfied with his answer. So I asked Professor Enright to elaborate a little bit more on blame because I still can't understand why Alex would so quickly blame me. I think we blame for two reasons. One is because it's true. Someone has committed an infraction and we see it. But when we deal with false forms, okay, that's what I think you might really be getting at. When we're dealing with false forms of blame, we're projecting. I'm using a Freudian term from Sigmund Freud, where we are taking our own possible guilt and placing it on another in order to alleviate ourselves from the guilt. Of course, because it's false, it doesn't necessarily work for too long, and it certainly wouldn't work in serious situations because eventually our guilt will break through and all will come crumbling down. Now, I don't totally understand what Professor Enright was getting at when he mentioned serious situations, uh, but I was starting to see a little more clearly why Alex would blame me. He was protecting himself. So our defenses are good in the short run for not so serious things. Yeah, what does he mean by that? But when it comes to something serious, especially if you had to put out the money on Black Friday to get a new computer, then it might have been more serious simply because of the monetary amount rather than something evil has happened. Professor Enright helped me to understand that Alex, uh, he was blaming me for his actions because he felt awful about what he would have done. Uh, But then Professor Enright, he changed course and said that because this is a false form of blame, which once again, I disagree with Professor Enright and Thomas Aquinas about because Alex was clearly at fault. um, But he said because this is a false form of blame that no psychological defenses are actually being used. It would be a psychological defense if one of you was guilty. 
and you weren't. So it was, it's a false form of blame, but it's not in the context of a psychological defense. I think it was more an error in thinking. And I think both of you made the philosophical error of presuming that the consequence itself would be so bad that one of you would be to blame. So you're not looking at the action itself, you're not looking at the intention, you're looking at what happened, what would have happened afterwards, and you were making the idea of blame contingent on the consequence, okay? And let's take an analogy. Let's say a child is eating supper and just sneezes and knocks over her glass of milk, okay? She might say, I am to blame, I did a very bad thing because of the consequence. But if you take a look at it philosophically, morally, there was no planned action, there was no intent. The only thing that happened was an uncomfortable consequence, okay? So there really is no one to blame there, but she's making an error in blaming herself because she focused on the consequence. I think both of you guys, in focusing on the consequence, needed to step back and take a look at action and intention as well. And then it makes perfect sense, you see. And so you guys were having an argument over nothing. <laughs> and it's going to be on a podcast because... <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> there you go. my meeting with Professor Enright, uh, I pretty much came around to his way of thinking. I still stand by the fact that it's Alex's fault, but I understand a little more clearly now that intent is a key ingredient to fault. Uh, so I wanted to share what I'd learned with Alex. So I shared the recording of our interview with him. <laughs> well, I think the doc diagnosed us pretty well there. He put... he. He raised some good points. I guess when I think about what he said about using blame as a defense mechanism, although I do think it still was mostly your fault, Matt, I, if I take a deeper, more self-reflective look at it, I guess there was a little bit of me to blame in there. Yeah, and I mean, I, I stand by completely my belief that I think it was your fault, but I do see that neither of us really meant to do anything. So I don't know if it was anybody's fault. Uh, and if I would have knocked the water over on the computer, it would have at least been partially my fault, right? I don't know, Alex, what do you think about just the fact that we just jump right to that? Like so often, I feel like that happens all the time though. Like right away, people just jump to blaming somebody else for the things that go wrong, even though sometimes it's nobody's fault. Well, if you think about like, I know this wasn't a high stakes situation, but in a lot of high stakes situations where there is something big happening, you don't, you don't want to be the fall guy. You don't want to be to blame. Right. So we've talked about before, humans tend to be selfish people. We will, uh, will look for anything to not be 
you know, blamed, really. Yeah. I don't know. And, like, it is big, but I also think it happens so often on, like, small, small interactions like this. Like, I'm trying to think of another example. I, okay, like, so I suck at washing my dishes. You do, too. You're actually a little worse than me. But anyway, Bennett and Chad will yell at me. They'll sit me down and, like, uh, just tell me, dude, do your dishes. It's not that hard. They just tell me this. And I just, it isn't hard, and it's entirely my fault that I'm not doing my dishes, but I always just try to, like, point something out that's wrong about them in response. I don't, I don't know why I do that, but that is immediately what I jump to. So thinking about a time when uh, I was using blame almost as a defense mechanism for myself was uh, one time two it was early sophomore year that I did it um, me and my girlfriend have been together for a long long time it's been we've been dating for eight years I'm 21 so that's do the math that do the do the math yourself and I've known her since third grade so we lived in a small town I spent just about every day with her for well, from about 8 to 18. So I spent 10 years with Riley, just about every day, seeing her, talking to her, getting to know her, watching her grow up, all of this stuff. So I know Riley pretty well. And um, we both wanted to be engineers, so we decided to go off to college. And uh, she went to Minnesota, I went to Wisconsin. So this person I've spent every day with for about 10 years is in a different state. So we were trying the long-distance thing. Things arose that um, we weren't used to. We've always had the same friend group because we're together all the time. I've always had best friends that are her best friends, and it just all worked out very well. But now we're in different places. Um, I had different friends. She had different friends. And some we didn't know the people they were hanging out with, especially early on because I didn't meet her friends. She didn't meet my friends. So a little... I don't know. I know from her side, some jealousy arose, and I know from my side, some jealousy arose of the friends we were on because we didn't know them. I knew Riley, and I, I completely trusted Riley and everything she would do, but I didn't know the people she was around. She didn't know the people I was around. So some jealousy did happen. And one time, this, this jealousy came up. So I, want, I was going to go out with my friends. They came over and they're like, hey, Alex, let's go, let's, let's go out to a bar tonight. And I'm like, Okay, I'll go out to a bar. It's fun. I like my friends. I like my friends. But um, I, I didn't tell Riley about it. Trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Trying, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. I just went out with them, and I told her I was going to bed. And she went to bed early enough that I didn't have to talk to her for about the rest of the night. So she didn't. Yeah, because you guys are constantly texting each other. Yeah, me and Riley talk. All the time. Right now, I haven't texted her in 20 minutes, and I have, like, an itch. <laughs> and so she was in bed, and I didn't – I said I was in bed, too. And then the friends came and asked me to come out, and I didn't tell her about it. I didn't say a word. I didn't even tell her the next morning. And while I was out with my friends, my roommate Brian took a Snapchat picture of me and um, posted it on his story. And Riley is a friend with Snap Brian on Snapchat. So I'm like, Brian, dude. 
take that off your story. I, I lied to Riley, or sin of omission. I didn't tell her that I was going out. Please take it off. Well, he went the route of just blocking Riley on Snapchat. And I don't know if any of you have experienced this. It feels like a very specific case. But <laughs> if, if you post a story and then block somebody on Snapchat, they still have the opportunity to see the stories people have posted before the blocking. Right. The next morning, I was just texting Riley like I always do. Good morning. How's it going? Yada, yada. And then she sent a text in regular conversation. Then all of a sudden it was just, why the f*** were you out at 2 a.m. at a bar and you didn't tell me about it? First thing I did was I'm like, Brian, you son of a b- why didn't Why didn't you take that off your Snapchat story? And then I'm like, Riley, if, if you weren't jealous of my friends and I wasn't jealous of your friends, I wouldn't have to have not told you about it. And then... Well, that's that's interesting. Did you say that exactly? No, you, I did not. You said if you weren't so jealous, Riley. No, right? at the time, she was, she was mad enough that I was not ready to take a stance on improving our relationship. I wanted to mellow out the waters, yeah. and it. The reason, but is that is that what you felt though? Did you feel at is two way jealousy, or were you like this is Riley's jealousy? Um, it's it's. It was a two-way jealousy. I I used to be more. Recently, we've become very comfortable with being apart like this. It's been two and a half years now. We're used to long distance. Like, we were used to being together all the time. So it's we have it figured out. And I don't I don't lie to her anymore. Clearly, that's the best thing to do in a relationship. Jeez, <laughs> figured that, it out eventually. And that was my whole point. Is I'm pointing at her about jealousy. I'm pointing at Brian about Snapchat as a defense mechanism for myself because I lied to her. So in the end, it was my fault, but I pointed blame to make sure it wasn't at the time. When you were texting her the next morning, were you like still thinking about it? I wanted to tell her. I just, I just had like four different words for like coming through my head. (laughs) I was just too much of a coward to say that I went out last night. I was too scared of, what she might say to actually tell her that I was going out last night. Too scared of the flashback, the splashback, not a flashback. Consequences. Consequences. Yeah. I don't know. I. It's so... There's like this interesting dynamic in this one because it's like you didn't know how she would react. But you, you like kind of assumed, or like you were scared of the worst. You didn't assume the worst. The reason I was scared of the worst is because I love Riley, and I've been with her so long. So for the first year and a half, which is when this took place, I was, I was walking on eggshells because I was nervous. It was new. We had firm footing in Bloomfield, New York, where we went to high school. But uh, it was different, so... Right, you didn't want to screw it up. Yeah, no. It was it was the beginning still, and I still wasn't used to going to bars and saying, hey, Riley, I'm going out with friends, which is a very simple sentence, but it was not that night. Well, 
we share Spotify, and she would play music over the Alexa with different titles like Go to Hell, I Hate You, and all these things. I'm like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would, like, I'd calling her, texting her, and nothing. She wasn't responding? No. She was, like, she was mad. She was really mad. But after, like, two to three hours, she was, like, how did that feel? It sounded like, that sounds like she's messing with you. I didn't realize it. I was panicking. Yeah. I panicked. I had a hard time even just, like, texting her. I was going out to a bar. As soon as she started doing that, I was, like, I'm done. <laughs> it's <laughs> over. The girls were there with Brian and Justin, and they were uh, mocking me because I was pacing. Screw I was nervous. <laughs> it's not like, you know, this 10-year relationship, decade-long relationship with the love of your life was, you know, so you thought on the brink of falling apart and people are laughing at you. Yeah, I guess that was kind of shitty. Laura keeps bringing it up. I don't know why, but she was like, remember that time you were freaking out about your relationship with Riley and you're just pacing around the apartment? I'm like, of course I remember that. Thanks. <laughs> well, it's probably because it turned out all right. Yeah. Well, even if, if it turned out worse, of course I remember it. Yeah, well, they oh, wouldn't... Oh, she brings it up because it's... Yeah, a, she yeah. wouldn't mess around about it. You, you know what? That's that's a layer to blame. When things turn out all right... You, bl- you can blame more. You can... Well, your situation with Riley, if it went terribly, you would, you'd be like, well, it's her fault for... Let's, let's say worst case scenario, right? I feel like I'd go through stages. I'd oh, you st- would. I'd start initially. I'd hate... I'd hate myself for doing it. Yeah. I'd be pissed and pissed and I'd sad it, of course, but I think the way I would find like, what's the word? The long run, you use the defense mechanism. I would, I would bring out, it was her fault. Right. She was jealous of my friend. So I had, I had, I had to do this. Yeah. This was my only way. And it turned into a future defense mechanism. So I wasn't grieving the loss of that relationship for years to come. Right. So I guess that's that is interesting. I didn't really think about that. Like, you know, the worst case scenario, it still comes back. Actually knowing myself, I would have I would have never blamed her. You I would have I would have never gone back to it's your fault. I would have just dealt with the fact that it was me. Do you think you could have moved on? I th- it would have taken a long time. But I feel like before you move on, you have to, like, alleviate yourself from that. My alleviation would just come with time. They wouldn't be like, all of a sudden I have a revelation, hey, it was somebody else's problem. I'm fine. Well, I think you're, I think you're making light of what blame is. Is like, blame, you can, I mean, we're, we're making fun of blame, this whole story, right? Sure. Like, this is a big joke but it's also interesting like blame is a very real thing that we do all the time mm-hmm. i think in the long run you would be blamed you'd put at least some of the burden on her you'd have to relieve yourself somehow otherwise you're going to be the rest of your life you're going to think about the love of your life who you lost because you screwed up and you'll think your whole life you'll be inadequate or you'll be i screwed up that one time and now my life is crappy because of it you'd have to protect yourself somehow 
Don't you think? I feel like that's what I would do. Oh, uh, the, the only reason I could think for myself to protect myself wouldn't be because of the jealousy we've talked about. It would be because it was an overreaction to me not telling her I went out with friends. Mm-hmm. That would be what I think I would have come to, not she was jealous of my friend, so I didn't tell her, so I lied, and that's why. It would be, I lied, I messed up, but she overreacted. Right. Which, you know, kind of reminds me of our situation, Matt, where you Oh, no, Alex, Alex, this is totally your fault. It's still your fault. Do you no, not no, understand at all? No, it is all, all your fault, Matt. Oh my I brought you into this radio station, and you're just going to keep going. Of course.